Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise God. If you would turn with me to the book of Jonah, I want to say it is so good to be here with you wonderful people. It's also so great to have brother and sister Burns, Michael and Madeline with us today. We're so glad to have them preach one of the greatest revivals that we've ever had. Just a few years ago, helped us, strengthened us. Powerful ministry and couple. We're so thankful for you all. And, and I don't know what happened to these kids. What are you feeding your kids? Miracle grow. Miracle grow. Jonah chapter 1. Heather, we're so glad you're here. Going to be baptized today. We're so thankful for that. Amen. She's a blessing to our family. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, I know there's been a little issues with the sound. We're about to have that fixed next weekend. And y'all pray with us because this, this, this screen, we've got an LED screen that's, that we've ordered months ago and it's got held up in and, uh, you know, they're having a hard time getting a lot of work nowadays and unloading these boxcars. But as soon as it does, we're not going to have any dim light behind us anymore. That'll be all right, won't it? And so uh, y'all pray something happens with customs and, and people that, that unload those cars. Praise God. Jonah, Jonah 1 and 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. That's dangerous, isn't it? God's telling you to do one thing, and you do another. The word of the Lord came. And yet he went the opposite direction. Those that know the story of Jonah realizes that there's a storm on the way. That's the act of mercy of God. The Bible tells us that God prepared a great fish, swallowed him. And Jonah cried out of the belly of that. He cried out of the, look at chapter 2 verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction to the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I. And thou heardest my voice. Aren't you glad he heard you? Chapter 3, verse 1. I love this. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Do you know God gets the last word? Look at your neighbor and say, God's not done with you. But you better not go from him. Amen. I'd like to talk to you about when God speaks. When God speaks, you may be seated. Last week I talked about when you speak. When you speak. Uh, can you help me with the ring up here? You can just turn these monitors down. And uh, when, when God speaks, uh, you know, there's something about last words. There's something about last words. I'll never forget hearing the story of a preacher that went. 
and uh, to see one of the parishioners and they were at death's door anyhow things they they were very very ill and said when he walked up to the bed the person had began some level of struggle and and uh, trying to say something and wrote down a note and said that preacher took that note and handed it to Susie did the person passed away and the preacher thought I can't read these last words I'm going to wait and read it to the family so he put that in his pocket and the day of the funeral he got up before the family and said your loved one gave me these last words and uh, I want to read it to you and said he read those last words to the family and so he pulled the note out of his pocket opened it up and it said please get your foot off my oxygen hose <laughs> I told a saint that one time who was in the hospital and I said let me tell you a story I'm just trying to make them laugh I watched their blood pressure raise right there while I was talking to them Last words. Paul wrote last words. He said things like, preach the word in his last words. Be instant in season, out of season. He goes on to say things like, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith and I finished my course. Jesus had last words. As a matter of fact, there are seven phrases in the scripture that record what he said. When he was hanging on the cross, he said, we find Luke records in chapter 23 and 34. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Luke goes on to say, he said, he said to the man on the cross, I tell you, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Mark records and Matthew records when he said, my God, the only time he referenced and said, my God, every other time it was Father, but on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? John records, woman, behold thy son. Speaking to John, John, or son, behold thy mother. He goes on beyond that and he says, Father, Unto thee do I commend my spirit. Luke recorded. He also said, I thirst. As John records. And John also writes that he said, It is finished. Those words were not by accident, but every phrase had significant meaning. Because the cross was the endeavor to change humanity from Adam's nature which is a sinful nature to become reconciled back to God like Adam and Eve were before their fall in the garden. The Bible says that we were reconciled unto him through the body of his flesh through death to present us holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. It was through his body that we were gonna be reconciled back to a relationship with God. Can you say amen? amen? Calvary was a choice that he chose. He told Pilate, he said, you do not take my life. He said, I give my life. They were, they were mesmerized because of his silence, because they knew, he knew what laid ahead of him, and that was crucifixion. He didn't try to defend himself, but he answered a couple moments when they said, are you the king of the Jews? He said, thou sayest. Can I say to you today, he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. In Revelation, he said, I am Alpha 
Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. They understand the validity of the power of his word as Christ on earth, as understand, as God manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, Timothy said, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed on the world and received up in the glory. When you understand he was not just a brother, he was not just a good man. He was not as some believe that he was a prophet. He was as Isaiah records in Isaiah nine and six, unto us a child is born. The son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. John records in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Can you say amen? Verse 14 of John 1 says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He was not just a good man. Could I say to you, he was the powerful spoken word of God and that when he speaks something happens. When he speaks, things change. When he speaks, things turn around. When he speaks. Amen. We, we hear his teaching what was powerful. We can hear that from the Mount of Olives, the teaching, the blessed and the blessed things that he said there. But there were moments that when he spoke, he didn't speak as a man. He spoke as the created word of God. Isn't that the truth? When he spoke and he walks up to Lazarus' grave, he's been dead for four days. The Bible says he stinketh by now. What that meaning is there's no hope for resurrection after that. There's no, there, the wake is now over. You know what a wake is, right? Awake is where you would wait and see if they would come alive before they had all kinds of autopsies and the medical things. They would wait or wake and stay awake with these people just in case there would be any movement to make sure they really were die dead when it says that he stinketh by now. What that means is the wake is over. We waited for four days for him to come alive and he hasn't come alive. But when Jesus walks into that graveyard and he is moved with compassion and he walks in there and everybody's given up. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And I like what one preacher said. If he hadn't called his name, every dead person in the graveyard would have got up because he has power in his word. He's got power when he speaks. He's got power. Somebody say amen. When he said, let there be light and there was light, can I say he can give hope to your dead situation? He can give hope to your family crisis. He can give hope when the doctor says, I've done all I can do. When he speaks, it can turn around. I wish somebody would clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Oh, praise him for a moment. There's power in the word of God. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, there's hope in God's word. The word of God is quick. Speaking of the word, it's powerful. Somebody shout, it is powerful. I don't believe this is a, we're going to church to hear a, a history lesson every Sunday about what used to be. He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the Lord. He said, and I change not. Somebody shout, he's the Lord. He's the Lord. 
and he changes not. He's not like you and me. He doesn't age with time. He doesn't get arthritis. Amen. He didn't get crow's feet. He doesn't get old. He, he, he doesn't weaken in time. As strong as he was before the foundation of the world, he's just as strong now. He's omniscient, omnipotent. Amen. He is power. Somebody shout, he is the almighty. I just come to preach to you. There's nothing too big for him still. Your problem's not too big. Your problem's not too great. He's able when God speaks. Somebody shout, God's about to speak to your situation. When he walks in, into the room and he starts talking, something happens. At Calvary was everything there that he spoke at Calvary. We know that he was our sacrifice. John the Baptist records that he is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God, the sacrifice. We also know him as the high priest. But he was the sacrifice, and when he went to that cross, could I say to you today, he did not have to stay on the cross. He didn't have to stay on that cross. It wasn't the nails that held him to that cross. He could have, at any moment, the Bible says there were 10,000 angels waiting. That word 10,000 in scripture is a cliche. It does not mean one more than 9,999. That's not what it means. It means innumerable. It's like we would say millions. He's the fairest of 10,000. 10,000 of his saints. We hear that in scripture. He could have called innumerable amount of angels could have come down and he could have got off of that cross. He could have just popped off of that cross at any time. But he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. You know what the joy was? You don't have to stay where you are. Your situation doesn't have to remain the same. They can diagnose with you with cancer, but it is not over till God gets the last word. It's not over till God speaks. That's why we need preaching because preaching shouldn't be the intellectual mindset of an individual. It ought to be the transferring of God's word through that man or through that woman that's speaking. There ought to be somebody that can reach up and get a hold of something from God and deliver you. And it's not the word of man, but it is the word of God that's speaking into your life. Listen, it's not just a neighbor that came over and started talking to you. It was not just a coworker that started speaking into your life. It wasn't just some country boy from the hills that's speaking into your life. It is the true word of God to the world, brother Corey, it's foolishness. But to us, it's the power of God. God speaks through people. God uses preaching to help people. Amen. I don't want... I went to a meeting one time, fell asleep, fell asleep. Went to this meeting twice a year, two, two different times. One one year and went the next. I went, I went the first year, decided I wasn't gonna go the next year, but I went out of obligation. Both years I fell asleep. I didn't go the third year, amen. I, there was a sign one time that said, if, you have, if you're having trouble sleeping, come and hear a pastor, amen. They didn't mean that, but that's how it come across, you know. I, I think the word of God ought to be powerful. I think it should be powerful. And I'm gonna tell you what makes the word of God powerful. It's powerful all by itself, but it's really powerful when you believe it. You see, the word of God is not to the unbeliever. I quit preaching to the scoffers a long time ago. 
I can't worry about the mockers and the scoffers and the unbelievers. But the Bible says, Paul said it in Romans 1. He said, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God. There is power in that book. There is power in that word. There's power. I feel like preaching to somebody today to tell you if you would just start believing what the word of God is saying, there's going to be a change in your life. The word of God is powerful. Can you say amen? It is the power of God unto salvation. To who? To everyone that believeth. Look at your neighbor, two or three people, and tell them, I believe. You know how you know you believe? You got to start verbalizing it. Somebody shout amen. You know what you ought to do? You ought to start memorizing it and quoting it when you're praying. The Lord is my shepherd. I wish somebody would shout that. The Lord is my shepherd. We say it at funerals, but it's not for the dead. It's for the living. The Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. In everything he did, he did not speak as a weak person. He submitted himself. The Bible tells us that Christ became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Of course, he saw it, saw it not robber to be equal with God. Why? He submitted himself unto death. As the voice of creation, he became subject to the creation. He let them nail him to a cross. I mean, at any moment, he could have just popped his hand out, flipped him with his pinky, and knocked him to Pluto. He's powerful. He could have done anything he wanted to. Oh, they were feeling bad gambling for his garments at the foot. The only thing he owned was on his body, and they took him off of him and hung him naked in front of everybody, and, and they, they gambled for his garments at the foot of the cross. They didn't rent his garment, but they took his garment. How I many know it? He could have flipped them at any moment, but he didn't. Why? Because he knew something had to happen because the wages of sin is death. And he stood there subject, obedient to death, because something had to die because people had sinned. And instead of letting you die, instead of you having to pay for your deed, he said, I'll take it up on myself. That's why the Bible says he was sorrowful and very heavy. Look at your neighbor and say, you know you made some mistakes. Now, you didn't know they were worthy of death until I just told you that, but. You know, at some point in your life, let me, let me preach what I feel. At some point in your life, you gotta be willing to be wrong. I was right here, probably nearly 10 years ago on a Tuesday, about right in this area. I was laying on my back praying. I was laying on my, my face, literally laying down praying on a Tuesday night in a prayer revival. And God spoke to me. He said, I'm gonna tell you why people are on so many medications. I said, okay. He said, I'm going to tell you why they can't sleep. There's so much anxiety and all this stuff that's going on. He said, I'm going to tell you why. He said, because they don't want to admit what their soul knows. They blame their sin, the family issues, on their, 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 their things they've done, on everything else. Instead of admitting that I messed it up. I'm, I'm the one that should have never dated that person, should have never hung out with those people, 
should have never made that decision. And the Lord told me, he said, if they would just admit what they already know and confess that to me, I'd forgive them and they would be healed and I could restore them. But instead, they'd rather believe a lie. Blame it on where I was raised, who I was around. If I'd just been in a better community, look at your neighbor and say, it was your fault. Hard to hear that. But that's true repentance. Nehemiah and his prayer in Nehemiah 1, I'm, I'm not deviating from what I feel. I'm just telling what I feel right now. He said, it's me and my father's house. He said, if I'm going to see change in my family, he said, Lord, forgive me and my father's house. It starts with me. Everybody point at yourself and say, I gotta, I gotta, I'm the one. I'm the one. And you get down and you start talking to God and God's not going to shun you and say, well, I told you it was you. No, that's not. He, he's waiting on you to get real with him. You can't candy coat repentant. You just got to get raw with God and say, Lord, I messed up. I shouldn't have. I made decisions. I knew better. And God, I'm asking you if I hadn't have done this, I know things would be different. But God, I don't want to live this way. I don't want to stay in the rut. I don't want to live in the pit. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. You know what he always does? He reaches down and picks you up. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you're from. He's not done with you because you failed. Failure's not final. You gotta call upon him. Amen. We sing the song, something happens when you call his name. Something happens when you call upon him. And the seven phrases at the cross. When you begin to see what he was saying, the, the things that he was mentioning, and when he's there, I, I know, I know, I realize in Luke 23, when they're gambling for his garments and they have pierced his hands and crown of thorns, they've mocked him, they spit upon him, they, they've smacked him around. He's, he's left the blood trail from, uh, he's left the blood trail from the whipping post all the way to Calvary's Hill. Simon, carrying his cross for him and he gets up and they lay him down there. I realize what they've done to him. He couldn't have been mistreated more. That's why he died earlier than the rest of them. They didn't have to break his legs. Not one of his bones would be broken because he was mistreated. They took the wrath out on the innocent man that he was. Never made a mistake. Never spoke a word. Never had an idle word out of place. Every word he ever spoke was intentional and with purpose. Every single thing he said. Not one thought out of line. He never misspoke, never mistreated, never hurt anybody, only helped people. But they took the wrath of their indignation upon him, whipped him until he was undeniable. Bible says there was nothing comely about him. The crown of thorns they placed on his head, going down through his brow, poking the carpuscles of his forehead, running over his eyes until the blood would try to clot over that hour, some, the hours of, that he had hanging on the cross, trying to look through his eyes and, and the pain of that, the suffering hanging on the cross and he'd have to lift up to get a breath and then the weakness of the pain of the hands and the pressure on the feet he'd let down and the pain would be on the hands and back and forth and back and forth. 39 stripes on his back, whipping him with the cat of nine tails until 
the, 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 those that have studied medical people have said, said you would have literally been able to see through his ribs and see the functioning of his, of his kidneys and the, and the breathing of his lungs and see the function. Blood was running out of his body. He is dying. And while he is dying and blood is running out of him, he still chose to speak. Now listen, all the way up, the Bible says in Isaiah that he would go like a lamb to the slaughter. He would be dumb. He would not speak. Why? Because sometimes if you speak in the wrong moment, you're going to mess up what's been started and purposed. Amen. To be done. He kept his mouth shut. He could have opened his mouth and changed the course of history, but he chose to keep his tongue silent. Silent when he was there. Silent when they were falsely accusing him. Silent when they were silent when they were driving nails in his hand. But when he did speak, it had forever changing effects. And that's why, in the midst of that up and down, garments being gambled for, people mocking him on the thoroughfare, that he said something like this: Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know why we're forgiven? Because he spoke forgiveness into your life when he was hanging on Calvary. He spoke forgiveness. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing, but forgive them. Somebody say, Father, forgive them. Somebody shout, forgive them. They don't even realize they're just making history. They don't even realize they're just, they're just people that's fulfilling the prophets of Nod. They don't realize what they're doing, but they're about to change. The time would forever change because of what's happening at Calvary. Time would ever, forever change. Amen. It would go from B.C. to A.D. You go back even, in, hey, listen, the atheists can't get around it. Every time they say 2021, what they're saying is 2021 years ago, the history changed. Come on, every heathen, every agnostic, every time they look at the calendar, it goes back to a date and time where Jesus came and made a difference for you and me. Somebody shout Calvary. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He looks at a man dying beside of him, accompanying him at the cross, likewise crucified. Likewise, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the crown of thorns, but he's there. And he said, remember me. There's something about just a little talk with Jesus. And he turned his head with blood dripping off of his body. And he says to him, today, Shalt thou be with me in paradise. I speak life. I speak eternal life even when I'm suffering. You see, he is giving hope even when he was in pain. Can I preach to you today? He, he addresses the fact when he looks at his mother and understands the role. I personally believe that Joseph, his father, had died. He disappears from scripture after age 12. You don't find him any longer. I personally believe that Joseph has died. Has somehow, uh, I, that's, what my, that's, a, that's not in the scripture. That's just a, a personal opinion. Because Joseph was a great man. The Bible describes him in every way. Matter of fact, look how many times God speaks to Mary. Then look how many times God speaks to Joseph. The direction for Jesus, the introduction of the birth was going to go to Mary. But after that, the word was going to go to the Father to give direction to Jesus. God not only trusted Mary, but he trusted the Father in Jesus' life to lead him where he was supposed to be. Joseph was a good man. 
God didn't operate outside of his divine order of creation. He would speak to Joseph, go here, go here. You read it, study it yourself. But what I'm preaching to you is Joseph is absent and Jesus on the cross, he decided to take care of family matters. He decided to take care of his mama and the closest disciple to him was John the Beloved. And at the cross, he said, Mother, behold your son. He's taking my place now. Nobody's going to love you any better than he is. He's going to love you like I loved you. I've trained him. John, behold your mom. In the very same hour, he took her home. You know why? Because every person I've ever seen that's dying, when they're dying, they want two things. Are you ready for it? They want family. They want God. They don't care about the boat. They don't care about the deer heads. They don't care about the dresses. They don't care about the vacation home. When they're dying, they want two things. Everybody hold up two fingers. They want family and they want God. And that's why you find, find this, you can be seated. You'll find that he, 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 makes, he makes a statement like this. He says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because in every death, it feels like God is absent. Are y'all here with me right now? My God, when death is hitting, where is God? Why isn't this thing turning around? Why isn't there, I, I've, I've stood there when they take their last breath and all of us hoped that they were gonna come alive and I watch as life goes out of them. And it's like, where's God? Because death always makes it feel like God is, is absent from you. What was he doing? He was as our example, as our example instructing us how we're gonna feel when death comes knocking at the door. If our families, it feels like God is wrong because some, it, it, it feels like God is absent because how can death come to me when he is life? Are y'all hearing what I'm preaching? We did four week series about getting through the journey of grief and getting through the journey of death and dealing with that. But he was burying this. The Bible says that, the, that he bore our grief and in grief sometimes it feels like God is gone. Look at your neighbor and say this is truth. The Bible says he bore no sin, but he became sin. He took what was upon us and took it upon himself. My, 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 my. Father. Then he goes on and says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. You know what he was saying? I give my life. I choose to die. He had to choose to die. He was obedient even to death, even the death of the cross. Unto you I commend my spirit. John 19, 28, he said, I'm thirsty. You know why he said, I'm thirsty? For every thirsty soul that would ever live. Where you at, Sister Tori? The Mayan people. The Mayan people there that are lost in heathenism and, and, and murdering their children to try to find hope. Still, the temples are still there, hopeless. The Mayan people, in some cases, a lot of them, the civilization has disappeared. They're still finding cities and altars, and you know what I'm talking about. We are reaching people in Guatemala that have never even heard the name Jesus. Telling the truth? Thirsty. Sure, there's got to be somebody that can show me the way. And when he, when he was thirsty, instead of giving him water, they gave him vinegar and put gall in his mouth. Because in him there was no gall found. 
He was perfect. Somebody look at your neighbor and say he was perfect in all of his ways. But it's not over yet. That's just six of the seven phrases. But everything he came to the earth to fulfill was when he said, it is finished. And it gave up the ghost. Somebody shout, it is finished. You know what that means? It wasn't just that he was dying. It wasn't just that death had been fulfilled. Amen. It wasn't just death. It's not just he died. Because death was not the end of the story. Resurrection is just around the corner. What was finished? What was finished? Could I preach to you? What really was he talking about? Can I tell you what he was talking about? It's the effects of Adam's sin in the garden. When he said in Genesis 3 and 15, he looked down when God spoke, spoke to the serpent, and he said, he said to him, he said, there is you're, you're, he said, behold, behold, Satan, behold, devil. He said, out of you, out of you, there is there, out of a woman, there's gonna come a seed. You're gonna bruise his heel, but he's gonna bruise your head. There was hope from the very first seed brother Giovanni that one of these days Satan's going to be crushed out of here amen that Jesus is going to stomp his head Jesus is going to take him he's going to remove the threat he's going to remove the poison of the enemy can I preach to you a few more minutes that the effects of Satan will be over the effects of sin is going to be removed when he died on the cross he removes the effects of your past the effects of your sin for he is Christ let's stand our feet and clap our hands and shout it is finished it is finished look at your neighbor and say stop on the devil Stomp on the devil. I wish somebody would say stomp on the devil right now. He's given you power to tread upon serpents and upon scorpions. You know the thing about devils? They're compared to snakes. Snakes always poison with their mouth. I think it was you said the other day, do you know the devil? The devil doesn't have a voice box. The snakes do not have a voice box. My, my, my. It appears to me in the garden that God removed something from him. We're listening to all kinds of voices that are not of God. I wonder what would happen if we lift our voice to the hand of God. Lift our ear to the voice of God today and let him speak into our life what he wants to say. You know what he wants to say? No more effect of your past. No more effect of your sin. No more pain of the sorrowful things that you did in your past. I am going to give you life and that more abundantly. Clap your hands and praise Him. It is finished. It is finished. Here's what I feel today. Because there are parallels of the story of Jonah. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Look at your neighbor and say, go to Nineveh. God's got a plan for your life. Go to Nineveh. And the Bible tells us that when he goes... Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. But Jonah rose to flee into Tarshish. He decided to cross the sea. When you look where Nineveh is and where Tarshish is, my study is right. It's, it's, it's like 1,500 miles on a boat. I'm getting as far away from that place as I can. 
I'm going to go where I want to go. You know what God did? He created a storm. He created a mess. God created the mess. A storm to get Jonah's attention. I preach to you. God knows how to get your attention. He'll create a hell for you. Look at your neighbor and say, he'll create a He'll create a well for you. Before it's over with, he's in the, he's in the belly of a fish for three days. Sound familiar? He's, he's got, come, come here. No, take your towel. Bring it, bring it up here to me. Take your towel. Get your towel. Bring it up here. Come here, Jonah. Come on. sort of look like karate kid he got seaweed wrapped around his head he's in the belly of a fish you imagine what that smells like somebody said well you can't live in the belly of a fish for three days you can when God fixes it you can when God makes it for you it's tailored place he's down there in stomach acid and stomach fluid bile He's down there. It would have dyed his skin. It would have irritated him to where he thought there's no candles. There's no LED lights. There's no cell phone lights. All he knows, he got swallowed in the sea. He is waiting to die. Every day is worse. And finally, somewhere, and from the belly of hell cried I I cried by reason of my affliction and he heard me I don't know how deep the hydro, hydraulic pressure would have been that that well went to make him feel like he's crushing things around him because God didn't want him in, 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 in Tarsus God had to turn him around and sometimes God creates crisis. Feels like everything's darkness is around crushing upon you. But you never forget what I'm going to tell you. No matter how deep your how dark it is and how deep it goes, you can call on his name and he'll hear you when you call. Call on his name. And in the well, and in the belly of a well, here came a word. Here came a word. Come here, come here, come here, Brother Cody. And when God sent the word, sometimes it's a preacher. But when God, come here. And that, that fish is taking you this way. But when God sends his word and gets a hold of you, and he turns that fish around. Because the word of the Lord came the second time. Somebody say a second time. Arise! Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach it to, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. I want you to get up 
And I want you to go, you know what? I don't know how many hundred miles that fish was away from Nineveh. I don't know how far that fish had made it. I don't know how far that, that ship was when, it, when, it, when he got thrown off. I don't know. But what I do know is God wasn't just putting him in the whale. God was steering the whale. And it wasn't long until the word of God started bringing him back. God started ordering his steps if you will and he took him and that, that whale opened up its mouth on the beach somewhere and here, here came a preacher out of the mouth of a whale and when he came out he came out preaching you know why because God's not done with you some of you got to understand there might be a trial but it's to get you to where you're supposed to be it's to get you to where there's a call of God in your life don't you run from the presence of God when God speaks it directs. When God speaks, it brings hope. Somebody in the building needs to listen to me. God spoke to you and you went the wrong way. But I hear his word coming again. I hear the word of the Lord speaking right now. I hear him, Father, forgive them. I hear the word right now. It is finished. The effects of what would have happened going the wrong way is now going to be destroyed so you can enter to the place that God has called you to be. I want somebody to shout, it is finished. I hear the word of God coming a second time. I want you to lift your hands in this room. I hear the word of God coming a second time. Come on, the Lord's going to speak to you again. He's brought you here so he can speak to you because there's a call of God that's been on your life for many years. He's not done with you. He's going to turn it around. There's something he's trying to get you to do. Don't go. I warn you, don't go from God. You belong to him, Jonah. Hallelujah. And after three days, he got up. Come on, if you're here today, you're dealing with a crisis and or you want God to speak to you again, I want you to come all over the building. Come on, you're dealing with a crisis or you're here today and you want God to speak to you again. The Lord is speaking. I want you to come. Come on, all over the building. You're dealing with something. I don't care what it is. I want you to come. If God is dealing with you, you're saying, I, I know God has a plan for my life. I know God's doing something in my family. I'm turning this thing around. I'm gonna be everything. Come on, I wouldn't wait one second. If there's a crisis, there might feel like a whale in your life. There might feel like something. The Word of God is going to speak to your situation and turn this thing around. When God speaks, it's over, it's over. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.